Bears Shopping Maniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Extra Baritone <laughs> Rupert, and with me is Chris. You sound good though. Boyer. It's like it's like helping you. I think. Really? Yeah. Just, maybe I should get sick all the time. Yeah, all just, the time. Hey, kids, Dad sounds real good. Real, uh, uh, I don't know, throaty on the podcast. You should always, yeah, just keep bringing home. Hopefully, the germs. but see, you're sitting in your desk, which is the worst kind of sick. I feel like the best kind of sick. It's good. Twenty four hours. You're totally laid out. You get. You can like. You know. Get into the new season of Gilded Ages out. Amazing. Watch that, you know, and then you're fine the next day. Can't drag out. You just get 24 hours of TV. I, I wish I had that kind of sickness, but I have not had that in a very long time. And it's very no, weird. Me neither. So anyway. Hey, Chris, who's in the studio today? And are Miriam they sick? is. Hey, Miriam. <laughs> hey. Hey, sorry to <laughs> How force are you? you through our, we're just great at awkward intro banter. It's kind of, people say that about podcasts. They're like, if you could go five, six minutes without saying anything of substance, that's what I'm looking for <laughs> in a podcast. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, we brought you on just because we like you and you're a friend of the show, let's call it, and personally, and Noah shunk, shunk load about CSS. That's a real word. Uh, and are at the forefront of new CSS a lot of times, um, which is wonderful. So, so thanks. Let's talk about CSS a bunch. You ready? Great. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so I, you know, I saw you on Jason Langstarth's show. That was probably a couple months ago now. Isn't oh yeah. It? And you just, you know, cause Jason likes to learn. You like to learn with Jason and you did the container great. queries thing. Yeah. That's nice. And, and it was a great walkthrough of container queries, but it's almost feeling, this is weird to say, but it's always like container queries. <laughs> That's old now. Oh. <laughs> old. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, it's very much not, you know, like that. It's just weird that we, we're CSS is moving so fast that we're like, got it. Next. Let's go. <laughs> you know, uh, but that one's rolled out across all browsers. In fact, I just used it yesterday in a, in a way where I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Like, I mean, that's you should think about it. I'm not advocating that people don't think about browser support, but because it's in all the main browsers, if you have like a pretty hip audience or whatever and the numbers support it, that's a pretty safe one to just use it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and a lot of us have sort of that background of uh, having gone through that with media queries and knowing how to use them as a progressive enhancement and like you've got a fallback of some kind. What's it look like without the container query? So sure. it does feel like one that's really safe to pick up whenever if you can, if you can provide an okay fallback. Yeah. Okay. Right on. And, uh, and so, you know, people, if you've just happened to be totally under a rock or whatever, which I shouldn't say that cause it's like not everybody's, it's not everybody's job to keep up with CSS, but whatever you're listening to a podcast where we've talked about <laughs> CSS like hundreds of times. So you're probably <laughs> can say that, uh, <laughs> Sorry, why are you 591 episodes in? <laughs> Without anything. Not if you aren't at least up to the 2021 specifications. <laughs> yeah, a little weird. So, but it's like a media query, only it, uh, only it, you can style an individual container instead. I often think of it as like just width. It's width. It's that's the like 90% use case. What's the other 10% though? Could you do like container height? Is that even a thing? It probably is. Yeah. Yeah, um, the the tricky thing with container height is you can't contain only the height of a container. Um, you have to contain both the width and the height. And that's because oh. of a bunch of the loopy things that were making container queries hard. Um, but it's really only useful if you've got a container that you know is going to have a set height from somewhere, uh, from somewhere outside. So, oh, I see from somewhere outside, which is usually an inside thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So there are sometimes, like if you're doing a full height scrolling uh, main area or something, right. you know the height is coming from the browser. So it's coming from somewhere. Now that's not particularly useful because you can measure the browser too. <laughs> uh, but say there's a footer and there's a header and you don't know the size of those. Uh, so there might still be... Oh ways that you're sure yeah um but it's you're right it's mostly it's a width thing it's a width thing right on which is obviously it's just incredibly extremely useful i like that like every demo about it when i was having was like all right let's see how about a card let's (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be a card 
<clears throat> but I'll tell you what, cards are a thing, baby. Little websites, like Dave calls Little them, and, baby web pages on your web and, page. Uh, they uh, they need they need container queries. I'll tell you what. Yeah, they're just a real quick example, easy to do. What's been your favorite container queryization uh, that you've seen? Are you, do you have a like a vision board, a little mood board <laughs> of all your favorites? I wish I. Uh, Somebody asked at a conference, uh, and, you know, the truth is people don't tell me when they use container queries. Um, <laughs> like, there's no, there's no, like, fill out no this form. And <laughs> 1-800-CONTAINER. So, <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of cool demos, but I actually haven't, uh, I don't know how people are using them in production. Uh, and mm. that's when it will get exciting for me, to see how people are doing real things with it. I mean, all over CodePen, there's really cool, like... Yeah, for sure. Theoretical tricks. <laughs> I f- I f- the most common one to me is like, it's two columns, but at this point, it's one column. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, that's still amazing to me. Like, I know that's not as sexy as this calendar that swaps between four different layouts or something, but that doesn't, that's not as day-to-day as just like grid template columns, two FR, one FR. And then yeah. container query, 500 pixels, grid template columns, one FR. <laughs> also, know, like that's a great. Uh, I've seen some great examples of people using the container query units um, to do mm-hmm. responsive typography that's responsive to the container. Uh, and that can be very cool. That's yeah, that's the way totally to do cool. it. Totally cool. I almost think like if you're gonna if you're gonna tip your toes into like padding and stuff too, that a container query its unit is maybe more appropriate than the than the than the the document is or whatever you'd call it the the viewport units. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I like to you know I I feel like a, a border radius here and there is is a nice to use container queries for you know if it's really big you can get away with with a, a, a more rounder uh, sure, thing right. big fat borders okay uh you know what one thing that always gets me though is like ah oh, cripes yeah I gotta put another div around it gotta <laughs> put another div around it rock the wrapper yeah yep that's that's the downside. Of a lot of them, but you, but you say that like we don't already have 500 divs named container <laughs> in our web pages. Yeah, fair enough. Already, yeah. right? Like, I, I feel like uh, you know what I've been. You know, not that anybody cares, but I, I like the the idea of putting the wrap like 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 forgetting about it and then adding a wrap around what you've already got is is nicer than being like I'm going to put like a card dash inside inside it i always feel like you're probably trying to style the thing you already got so just wrap it and then put right. the container yeah on that the makes sense Ooh, yeah so you're coming out against no inner wrappers inner wrap yeah i'm anti-inner yeah. wrapper <laughs> yeah. okay all right not that i really care but i feel no, like that no. just it tends to make more sense and and i've thought you know just in retrospect that i thought I thought it would be the majority. You know, that was kind of the speculation before they existed was like, if we had these, they would be, we would mostly use them was kind of the the guess. And I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm not quite even 50-50 yet. But at the same time, I don't, like if I was working on a design system all day, I think that number would be a lot higher because you're just right. working on individual components, which I, I just randomly I'm not at the moment. So yeah, I think over time also we just have to see if there's something you reach for more uh, yeah. once once they're more integrated in the toolkit. But also these days I feel like we use a lot of we use a lot of media queries for other things, right? Like uh, querying the dark mode or light mode or uh, reduced motion or there's all sorts of media queries that. There isn't an overlap. That aren't yeah. with. And those aren't going anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no there's no such thing as a container query of dark mode, right? right. I don't think so. Uh, that would be weird. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just more media queries and stuff. But speaking of, I, I am interested in, in, in that kind of rollout-y thing, because you are super, perhaps even more involved. I don't know what your day-to-day is, but uh, Cascade Layers was like a little bit straight up credited to you your early proposals and stuff and is also all the way out in all the browsers it's gotta feel good that's some legacy stuff yeah that's wild that was and i mean it was my first proposal it's then they invited me to join the group to work on it um Mm -hmm. and then it shipped 
absurdly fast. And the problem is it's all downhill from here, right? Like nothing else is going to ship that fast. <laughs> Man, you're done. I'm, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was wild. It was wild to see a proposal that I made uh, roll out in the browsers. And I mean, it's, it's sort of the opposite in some ways of like, it's invasive uh, and it's hard to progressively enhance. Um, so it's one of those that mm -hmm. rolled out and it's going to take five years for it to become common uh, because it's not as easy to sort of add piecemeal here and there. You want to... just like container queries is. You can just plunk one of those in. But if a huge code base is like, you know what, we're this Cascade layer stuff is sweet. We're going to layer all of our styles. You're, yeah, I would think you might have a bad time maybe. At, you know, like that's going to be rough at first. Greenfield though, for sure, it's cool. You know? Yeah, and I think they work best when you use them over your whole product, uh, your whole site, whatever. Um, I see. That's where they really yeah. shine. So, uh, yeah, it's going to take a little bit before people are comfortable doing that. Um, so I'm glad it rolled out fast so that now the five-year timeline is shorter <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or it's already rolling. Yeah, you, that, you're right. It would be way too, I, I have no idea what the polyfilling scene is on like that, but even if it were possible, it'd be probably pretty heavy, wouldn't it? Because you'd use specificity as the, yeah, and as the proxy, which would mean affecting every selector. <laughs> yeah. The, the, some of the team at Oddbird worked with the auto prefixer folks, mm -hmm. um, and there is a polyfill. You can use it. Uh, and, I mean, you can use a little bit of JavaScript to decide which CSS to load. And it works. Hmm. Um, well, right on. So you can do that. Uh, but up to you whether it's worth it. That's, I was thinking about Auto Prefixer the other day. Because, it, you know, as it should, perhaps, has died off in necessariness and probably usage, I would think. Because people are like... Yeah. Okay, mask is still weird. You still need WebKit mask. And what else? Can't even think of one. You know, like there's pretty few. But if you are using it to poly... But if new stuff comes down the pipe that could use it, then, I don't know, maybe that's... It, its relevance will peak again. It's, it's, it's not dead forever. You know, it depends on what CSS does. Yeah, and this is technically separate. I mean, it's a separate polyfill, but... Same post CSS oh, approach. I see. You don't just turn on post CSS and it starts polyfilling right. your cascade layers. I see. Interesting. I also looked at Lightning CSS. It's been I, I don't you know there was there used to be some contenders and in fact this you can see the the history of this kind of embedded in the CodePen UI. We had two options for dealing with prefixes. You could just click a radio button that says I'd like to use Auto Prefixer and then we'd just roll it through Auto Prefixer. And then Leah had a old I, I hesitate to say weird, but it's a little weird of a project called Prefix Free that did it all client side only that it would look at the CSS om or I don't know what what the right words are and it would it would apply the the prefixes that way so it was zero build process which is you know appealing to some people but probably had that kind of flash of you know javascript has to execute and that probably happens after first layout uh, anyway i guess you can change that now isn't that relatively new on a script you can say stop render or something. There's just like some new attribute that you can tell the page to not even do that first render until this JavaScript has executed. You've you veered off my expertise. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it is. exists. It's, I'm um, telling you, it's it's weird. Uh, it's like rendering is the name of it. Um, yeah, rendering uh, no. Rendering block or blocking <laughs> block, or something. Blocking. Anyway, it's a thing. So not, but then all of a sudden, this lightning CSS kind of comes out of nowhere. If you ask me, which also does auto prefixing. So kind of neat. If you haven't seen it yet, it's a contender in that world. I don't know how it does it, but it seems to make the right choices. Last time I used it. Uh, okay, so we did it. Container queries. Green <laughs> green check mark emoji. Done. Done. Next. Cascade layers. We didn't. I don't know if we did it justice, but it is a very cool thing that you can do. Should we explain a little bit more about what it is? I mean, what what what's what's like the the top use case in your mind a little bit yeah. for for why that would exist? So a lot of people uh, solve specificity, and I'm putting heavy air quotes around solve. that. Solve oh, yeah. specificity by <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> yeah, by just. It, 
by pretending it's not there and then shoving everything into classes and always one class and uh, using these complex naming conventions. And uh, so uh, we're yelling people, at them. We're yelling at <laughs> sure. Tailwind. Or, okay, go on. Sure, fine as a hack, but it's a hack. Um, and people will often be doing those things and then say, well, why would I need layers? And I'm like, well, you're doing those things and you shouldn't have to. Uh, selectors are pretty cool. There's a lot you can do with attribute selectors and all sorts of other things that are useful. Um, so let's let you use selectors again by giving you another way to manage specificity and state what should override what in your system. And I right. think that's especially useful sort of the bigger you get and the more of your project is using it. So it's like I can bring in uh, my design system in a layer um, and then I can bring in my component library at a layer and I can say whether the component library wins over the design system or whatever, right? I can, mm -hmm. I can set up these layers of my application uh, and know that within each one, the specificity is contained. Um, and then I can say which layers override which layers. Right. Would you say that it may... may it almost feels like it contains decision making in a way, and yeah. that if you are if you are going to give yourself away, like a library, like Bootstrap or something, um, has it, I wonder if a best practice will be you layer yourself before it even like the npm version of it is already layered. But that weirds me out a little bit. It almost seems like you'd want to make that choice as a consumer. Yeah, I think we're going to want both. Um, so you can mm. layer things that are already layered. And then you end up with nested layers, and that's fine. So oh, I think Bootstrap yeah. should ship layers, uh, and then you should pull Bootstrap into your project and put their layers in your layers, and say oh, okay. say where it goes. That makes sense, except for that you can't unlayer it. Like you could, but that's maybe that's okay. Like if you wanted it to be the top layer, then layer your project and make it the top layer. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Oh, wild. I guess like. I'm picturing like Bootstrap at some point orders their layers, right? Like base, element, modifier, whatever. I don't know. We're just picking words. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, let's say Bootstrap adds that and it ships in their CSS file that goes to my client. And then I can come through and write a little inline script that says, no, actually at layer, the order is modifier element base and mess it up, mess up Bootstrap real good? Mm. You could. More likely, you're going to say, pull their three layers into a Bootstrap layer. And now we have Bootstrap base, Bootstrap elements, Bootstrap modifiers. Okay. Uh, and uh, we get those nested layers, and you can move them around where you want. But you do have the ability to go in and move their layers around if you really want to. Yeah. Okay, so you, uh, yeah, like so. Best practice might be like Bootstrap namespacing their layers, like Bootstrap base, mm -hmm. Bootstrap, yeah. Okay. So nobody will ever be mad again <laughs> that some ever. third party library <laughs> has shipped with stuff that's hard to override because this literally does solve that. If you put their crap on a layer lower than yours, anything you write will win, exactly. regardless of their specificity, which is really wild. It's almost like like I could imagine the madness totally reversing and saying like my my CSS is too powerful. <laughs> I you know I, yeah. I need to notch myself down a little. And bit. the great thing is you can put stuff below bootstrap and stuff above bootstrap. You can set up the layers however you want. Mm -hmm. Um that's why. But additionally, you don't need to wait for bootstrap to do it. You can already right now go pull in bootstrap into a layer in your styles. Uh, and now you have Bootstrap layered. Yeah. Um, and you can work with it from there. And it's not theoretical. You could do that right right now if you want to. Um, pretty cool. Except for if it's a link tag, and then you can't. But other than that. I was going to say, I know like Jonathan Neal, in order to reduce specificity, like was like, I'm just going to put all my third-party stuff in where, you know, like uh -huh. colon where, just to like really make it as low as possible. But, you know, he could also just put it in a layer and then I can decide how important it is. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, those kind of happened at the same time. So where would have been great five years ago, you know, but 
whatever, it's less useful now. I, it has other uses, but I, I think that I think people are attracted to the idea that it wipes out the specificity of the selectors inside. Right. I mean, but the but the point is that it it also is comma separated selectors. I mean, comma separated selectors in a would you call it a function or it's like a pseudo function or I don't even know what the terminology is there, but functional that's just pseudo cool. class, I think something like that. Woo! Woo! <laughs> $5 dollar word. Right. right there, out of the top hat. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a great, it's great. It's unbelievable that we can do that. To me, it's almost more unbelievable than container queries that we're just like, we're going to ship an entire new layering system for styles <laughs> and have all browsers be like, that's fine, shipped, you know. What? Yeah, and not just that's fine. I mean, they rushed it. Uh, like they they went in hard on that one, which took me by surprise because uh, I yeah. was suggesting a core change to the cascade, <laughs> which <laughs> Not a is, usual thing people mess with. Like, yeah, normally that's like a hard no in my very limited experience. Like, we're going to change everything. But yeah, I think it also, not to, you, you shouldn't be too humble. You you understood how the cascade operated. Like, here's where the browser applies its things. Here's where, you know, and you were, you know, here's how importance work. And you were like, what if we just shim in some user-defined things right here? And I, you know, you, you were... You're like, the mm. browser is doing this anyway, but I just, let's give the user some variability. That was true, right? That the user agent styles were already kind of occupied a layer of sorts? Yeah, there's already a layering of uh, the user agent goes first, the browser, um, and it provides all the styles that we think of as the defaults. Um, like the spec has an initial value for, say, display, and the initial value of display is inline, always. If you set display initial, you get inline. Doesn't matter if you're doing it on a paragraph. If it's a div or what? Doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, wow. Initial Jeez. value is inline. Uh, oh, so that's not a user agent style sheet. That's like a even lower than that. Like a, Right. That's okay. the spec initial value. Um, and then the user, the user agent comes along and provides some useful defaults. Uh, like, hey, all these things should be display block, actually. Uh, paragraphs should have some margins. Headings should be bigger. I didn't think that was a layer. I thought it was just because it's a, it's the first thing to load, and b, the selector is just really weak. It's just a p tag. No, if you look in there, there's some like really complex, especially around tables. There'll be like you know uh, when this type of table cell follows this uh, series of mm. uh, rows and columns, uh, then um, provide this border default. Um, so some of them get fairly complex. I mean, they're not using classes because it's it's all just HTML tags yeah, in there. Yeah, can't. How could it? Yeah, yeah. but uh, they have some fairly high specificity for just stacking up. Uh, I see. Yeah, I see. Element okay. tags, um, and you can override those all with anything because we're at a higher layer. Right. So if you said like I don't know TD border bottom one pixel solid black or something, it's possible that borders are involved in the UA style sheet, but in such a complex way that it's really table T body TR right. TD right. first child and all that. And that and if they said border zero, they would win because that's higher specificity. But it's not because it's on a layer. Right. And Ooh, I didn't really understand that. Thank you. Yeah. And user styles slot in between. So the user agent goes first with defaults, then user styles, which right now you just set as settings in a uh, form in your settings on your browser, right? You can go in and say, this is my default font. This is my default font size. A few right, things. Right, right. Which, you know, you, you'd be, it doesn't even look like CSS, but it right. turns out it, but it is. is applied as CSS. Yeah. Um, and then we come last, but uh, we shouldn't always win. So that's why importance was invented, right? Importance exists for the browser and the user to say, no, you have to use my font. Uh, you don't get to override me on this. Um, so importance is there for people to take the power away from us. It's not there for us to fight each other which is what we use it for. And you're talking about bang important. Bang like, important. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is that, that's like the suckiest thing to learn about cascade layers is you're like, well, it reverses important. And you're like, wait, what? 
<laughs> yeah, but it but does. I mean, it does make some logical sense after you get it, but it's an unfortunate thing to have to know. Right. So uh, the way that we've used importance is to say, I want to override something that's already there. And for that, we should start using layers instead. We uh, want to override right, something that's right, already right. there. We use a layer. Importance is for saying, this is so important, I need to protect it from future layers. Uh, so like, this class doesn't work anymore if you take away this style. Uh, the hidden attribute, if you override display none on the hidden attribute, it doesn't work. It's broken. So it's a, it's a reasonable one weak. to say, we're going to put it in a weak layer because it's just a reset, but we're going to put importance on it, and that's going to that's going to protect it from future layers. Right. So the lower the layer, like the weaker the layer, the stronger the important is on exactly. it. Exactly. Because it's a defensive move. Right. Not, not an aggressive move. We use the force to defend. I see. I see. <laughs> this episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Miro. Thanks for the support, Miro. Miro is really a tool for teams. You can think of it as an online visual workspace, really great for visual people like me, or you can think of it as like an infinite canvas tool. You make Miro boards and they can be anything. In fact, you go to do it and there's all kinds of templates in there for uh, uh, what a board could be. You're not even limited by these templates, but they really get your mind going on the possibilities of what it can be. For example, Project management is one of those things. For example, I can make a Miro board like a Kanban board kind of thing where I have tasks and the tax, tasks are cards and the cards can be from any source. Dave and I were just in there today doing some episode planning so we can have you know, our columns for our Kanban might be, for example, like ideas or in progress, invited, recorded, finished, and we can be dragging the cards in between to keep us all on the same page. Dave's in Austin. I'm in Ben. We're not together. But through a Miro board, we can do this in real time. In fact, we are in a meeting and we are doing all this together. We're like, okay, what's a great episode idea for a show? We're dragging on the avatar of the guest. And then we're dragging on in this beautiful Miro board ideas for what we want to talk to them about. So we're just brainstorming together in this kind of permanent way. That's a permanent part of this Miro board. But I can do it alone and Dave can see it later. In fact, I can record a talk track to go with it and talk them through what I was thinking about. Tremendous feature of Miro. And then we're on the same page. We got a plan. We can rubber stamp the thing and say, that's what, you know, season 23 of Shop Talk Show is going to be all about. These are the guests. Thumbs up, thumbs down, all that kind of planning. So good. So find simplicity in your most complex projects with Miro. Your first three Miro boards are totally free. Very generous of them. When you sign up today at Miro.com slash podcast. Again, that's three free boards at M-I-R-O.com slash podcast. It reminds me of WordPress in two ways. Sorry to connect to this, but one of them is if you're going to ship a WordPress theme, Dave's theme, you should layer everything because some it's meant yeah. for someone else to use it. And there's a chance that they want to write their own CSS and they should probably win. So it would just help them. It'll just be a better product if you do that. Another one is I've used important, you know, because I keep every time I use important, I'm like, this is probably a learning opportunity of how I should not be doing this. <laughs> But it's a, uh, you know, the modern day WordPress has uh, the block editor and it, ha it has stuff like, oh, I want to put two columns next to each other as, as this little block in the middle. Well, that's literally impossible without, I mean, I guess you could use a table or something, but for modern day, that cannot be done without CSS. So WordPress injects some CSS onto your page in which to do stuff like that. I think it still uses Flexbox, like a, you know, Flex1, Flex1 on two divs or something. Great, but if you want to override what's happening there with your own CSS, now you're in a fight. How they chose to do that is their business, and it's probably some internal classes and stuff. A class is already pretty high. It's a lot higher than some elements are. Mm -hmm. So you, And if you just say, I, I'm going to attach a class too, now you're in a, a specificity war. One class versus one class. Who wrote it last? Where'd you load your styles? And where you load your styles in WordPress, I know I'm being very WordPress specific, but this kind of matters to the overall concept is 
I just probably have a link tag in my head where my CSS is. And it just so happens in this particular framework that wherever you put this little PHP function WP head is where their styles get spit out. So it's a little arbitrary in a theme, which happens first. And I probably put theirs later just because I feel like, eh, there's a chance some plugins and crap want to be last because they want to win some stuff. But now my CSS is lower. It's it's not really on a lower mm-hmm. layer yet because I haven't used that concept, but it is source order earlier. Right. So I'm going to lose that CSS battle of one class versus one class. So my temptation is I have two, I have different options. I don't know, double up the class. You ever do that one? You just put two, uh-huh. two, just put the class no. twice. Why not? Now I win. <laughs> or I could put an ID. Don't want to do that because you only use it once, yada, yada. Or like, I don't know, maybe put the tag first, like div.columns. So just a little bit of specificity. All those options suck. What they should have done is rolled out all these block styles layered. I know they're discussing it now. There's a discussion oh, in the WordPress awesome. repo about like, can we layer internal styles and can we yes, recommend can. layering for themes? Yes. Um, <laughs> I already so, answered both of those questions. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes. And I think that that does get it a great use case. But it also, the other thing that it points out is that uh, layers, you can set the order of them and then you can write your code in any order you want. Like you're not beholden to source order all the right. time if you've got your things in layers. Uh, you can say the layer order, and then it doesn't matter whose gets there first. Yes, that's really cool. That's a powerful concept, right? So you don't have to order your layers, but you maybe should because it gives yeah. you t- <laughs> gives you some power later that you might want. Like you don't have to name your container queries, but you probably should. <laughs> to, yes. It's a little best. I hate to use the word best practices. I, I don't know. Somehow that became a dirty word, but it's kind of one. I don't know. He wants to get rid of nuance. You need a word like that, hey, I guess. Ruthlessly eliminate nuance um, is a word practice. Um, and <laughs> I, that's referencing this good post by Will King that just was kind of like, let's, in, let's instead of saying best practice all the time, we say like readability pattern or performance mm-hmm. pattern or just kind of saying like why we're doing this thing, not just what, mm. not just it's best say what the practice is yeah oh, use your words sense. use your words use your words um <laughs> i was just going to point out i looked in bootstrap uh there are 1279 instances of important in bootstrap 5 so whoa that's a hmm. lot of importance um which maybe they do need layers i just you know <laughs> you, i feel like i looked in tailwind too there's a lot there too but um but i think it's like when you do like the utility thing you kind of if somebody adds a utility class you kind of need to make it important like you're kind of like well, they're trying like, to mean it mm-hmm. yeah they really want it to display flex so much that they put it on the element, well if you your know? class is font dash bold like you're very sure that you want the stupid text <laughs> to be bold so, like, just win then, you know, like, do what you got to do to win. But you can imagine, like, a world where it's just you put your utilities on the, the whatever, the last layer. It's because last mm-hmm. wins, right? Yeah. Yep. So, or or no layer. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. that also or be, wins. <laughs> say what you mean uh, then, like the winning layer. <laughs> no, yeah. That's bad, I guess. But, like, some layer that, that somehow expresses that it's, like, I feel like utility doesn't say ultra like, important. Yeah. 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 It needs to be like, maybe it like, does. I don't know. I waffle. Maximum power <laughs> yes. is the there name of the layer. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think I'd stick with utility, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Maybe Utilities it gets the are... arm emoji, like the muscle emoji. And then oh, that's, yeah. 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 I think emojis are allowed in layer names. I guess somebody should check that, but I think that's, I think that Seems works. Seems fine. I do like how nesting kind of goes with all of these things. Is like you don't have to write a cont- like you can write a container query right at the I don't know the root of CSS like all the, all the way on the left, <laughs> and then within it say a selector of what it's applying to. Like that's fine. Or you can nest it, which isn't just totally convenient. It means you it assumes that whatever's in there 
the, the next selector up is the name you're trying to apply it to. Like, I feel like that's a nice thing about nesting that is a little unsung, perhaps, is that that works with container queries and it works with scope too, yeah. which is cool. Um, and media queries and media most queries. of the sort of at rules that you would nest selectors inside of. Yeah, like if that's all nesting did, I mean, I, I hate to say st dumb stuff like that, but that's a powerful concept is you don't have yeah. to repeat a selector anymore. It's just in there. I guess that's what normal nesting does too, but I think it's extra cool for some reason with, with at rules. Yeah, I feel like it's it's not just limited to uh, putting elements inside other elements. Uh, it's useful for the modifiers as well. The, the modif pseudo yes. classes, the media mm -hmm. queries, container queries, all of that. Yeah, pretty nice. I love it with with all those things. So we didn't do scope yet, but that's another that's another one less exciting. Only in the if we're only just talking about browser support is not there yet. Like the other two right. are, I think. Yes, uh, but it's another at rule. Just at, at layer even is an at rule, isn't it? And container mm -hmm. queries definitely is, or at least part of it. Yep. Scope is another at rule. Where at, at rules are really really popping. <laughs> yeah. I'd say. There's there's limited syntaxes in CSS to to pull on. Yeah. To pull That's on. sort of the block one you get. It's kind of like the put a bird on it. Put, <laughs> put an ad on it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We're, soon we'll be in emoji town once we run out. <laughs> but the, I was surprised that like it the scope value works in the DOM too. Like if you put a style hmm. block in the DOM and say at scope, it assumes that what you're scoping to is the next element in the DOM from where it is. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that was our solution to style scoped, which everybody kept asking for. Um, and it's it's a difficult one because you add that attribute in HTML and old browsers don't see it. And then they apply those styles on scoped. And that's pretty broken. Yeah, You don't really want it. Uh, so this way you're using some new syntax that would hide it from older browsers and you still get the same behavior, which is pretty cool. Is it, it wasn't it for a minute, it was like a little uncool maybe. I mean, I'm talking about the performance characteristics, mm. I guess, as well as the, um, just semantics and HTML validity, I guess. Can you just put a style block in HTML? Is that, are we past that being bad? Is that fine now? That's my <laughs> understanding. I mean, it, it loads later, right? So you want to use that carefully. You don't want to use that for your uh, most essential styles. If you want them to load before things are rendered, you're going to want to put it in the head. In the head, I see. Maybe you want things to sort of, I mean, you do uh, lazy load images. Maybe you want some lazy loaded CSS. Great. Yeah. I can't it be in the body. too far behind either, you know? It's still above the styles that you're about to apply it to, you know, assuming that's what you do. I think it loads when the parser gets to it. So to, to me that, so, I don't know, CSS modules exist a long time. You know, Vue, Vue has the ability to just put the scoped attribute on it. It used style scoped, but it doesn't, it just uses some magical thing to do that. I don't even know what it does. It makes, it invents weird class names or something, but it means that you don't, it's scoping your styles for you. Astro does the same thing. I think there's lots of frameworks that allow you to scope a chunk of CSS to the component that it's talking to. It, but it has to it has some exotic build process to do that. And surely somebody had to hand write and hand maintain that code. And it's probably non-trivial in a way. I feel like this makes it kind of trivial. Like if you want yeah. a chunk of CSS that like, it, and I, I'm going to write dot card but I'm so nervous because what a boring class name, you know, that uh, who anybody could use that. I could use a weather widget and it uses dot card. Now my styles are God knows where bad job. But if I put that style block and I say at scope and then I put in there dot card, that card is totally isolated to that little piece of Dom. And I use no build process or nothing to do that. That seems like what? Like that's a solution. That's really yeah, good. With both that approach and writing your scopes by hand with sort of the selector syntax for scoping, um, in both cases, that uh, that build step requires access to both the CSS and the DOM. It needs to understand the yes. whole structure of everything in order to do that build step, uh, which is, that's a lot for your build step to know. Um, 
So Truly. that's part of what excites me about Scope is it does the same thing as that build step, but without any of that knowledge of the whole system required. That's kind to of do it. part of the magic of Tailwind, you know, to say something positive, because I like to be a, I'm a compliment sandwich, is that part of the config of it is that you have to tell it where all your templates are. Mm. Yeah, you know, so you use like star.html because you're like, please look at all my HTML because part of its build process is like, look at all my templates, find all the classes from all of them, and then produce the minimum amount of CSS required for all those templates, which I think is actually pretty clever and cool. But man, that's work. You need like a HTML parser that you can really rely on that even in busted ass HTML, it's gonna generally do a good job. It, then it's not just HTML, it could be your nunjux templates, it could be your .jsx templates, it could be anything. To like have really reliable code that can do that is, that's a lot. And now look, platform's just gonna do it slick. And it's a little bit like properties too. Now I feel like I'm talking too much, but isn't that, wasn't that the cool part of CSS custom properties is like, it, it just inherently knows what's going on on the page right. in a way They're that a processor never could. Yeah. 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 It's not this pre like, or it's not, it's not static, right? It's not like at compile time. It's at runtime. Like it just, you can just change it. You know, mm-hmm. you could write a plugin that just changes your, <laughs> your all CSS variables, just cycles them or if you wanted, but it. Wow. Where's Alex? Alex, do that. Yeah, That's Fimian weird. Uh, yeah. to the chat. Paging Fimian to the uh, Fimian, please come to the podcast chat. Room. Do something ser- weird with variables. Your, your services are being requested. Um, no, yeah. I, uh, there was a neat post by uh, Christopher Kirk Nielsen, which I think I saw through Chris Coyer's likes, uh, where he replicates uh, replicates um I, uh, uh, scoped like the, the donut scoping with has, mm-hmm. did you see that post? It is no, really, I can post a link, but it, it's really in scroll to the bottom. Is a really good example. Uh, but it, it's basically like, uh, I'll mouth blog it here. Uh, so in CSS scope, you would say at scope parentheses card to parentheses card content and then a mm. color of our accent and then in, in, or sorry, in not, not, he's using not, not has, sorry. And he's the not version is dot card, a not parentheses card content star. So it's basically like, he's just saying like, don't apply this variable, but not for this. Anyway, it, it was, it's just clever, but it, it actually helped me sort of wrap my head around like what donut scoping is useful for. And then, on top of this, you have like the whole scope thing. Like, at like, first glance, those do seem. I know this is hard for people listening audio wise, but what Dave just said was accurate. And the idea is of donut scope is that it's like style starting at this selector, but literally stop when you reach this other dom node, and anything that's a child of it stop applying styles to, which is very unique in CSS. I don't think we've had any other way of doing that. And then I say that, and I'm like, well, this blog post says you could kind of use not. And it, at first glance, it's like, yeah, that. That looks like that yeah, would so work. The, the main difference there is this won't work if you start nesting them, right? This is going to stop if you've got any card content anywhere or anywhere around the thing. Uh, whereas scope says only between the scope root, between the card and card content. Card content has to also be inside of card. You might be able to do it with some more trickery, but I think you can't quite say... Uh, only this card element matters, the one that you've matched as the root of my scope. Mm-hmm. Only it matters, and we want to style everything from it down. When you do these workarounds, you're hitting every card element, and if there's any card outside of your context, right? If you're mm-hmm. nested, if you're nesting these things, uh, his workaround stops working. I see. Yeah, but that the makes basics sense. get there. It's tricky. Yeah, I, that's good anyway. though. So it's, yeah, to, to, to just say like we can do that anyway, because that's kind of that well, was my initial, you know, privileged white boy technique was why do we need scope? That's just a that's just a selector. That is scope, you know. And you're like, mm, it's a little more complicated. Than that. It has a lot of overlap with nesting in the sense of actually styling elements inside other elements, uh, but 
it really gets more to the point. Like in my mind, it should replace most nesting. Uh, scope actually says the thing that we mean, um, which is find, find the element, find its context, uh, ignore whether it's nested in other things, just find mm. that donut uh, and style it. So uh, I think, yeah, a lot of the things you can do with scope, you could do with nesting, but scope is probably the more proper it, solution. Isn't there some specificity? Like when you scope and then you select a, a single class within another single class, you haven't doubled the specificity or have you? You know, like when you're right. nesting, you have, because now there's two class selectors applying to it. Um, by default, the scope specificity isn't added to the selectors inside. Um, the specificity of the scope selector. So you're selecting sort of three things here, right? In a in an at scope rule, you're selecting the scope roots, and yeah. it goes through and it finds all of those, and then you're selecting inside of those any scope boundaries, any lower boundaries like the card content. Yeah. Uh, so you've selected those two things, and then you're looking between them in the fragments of DOM that remain, and you apply your other selectors in there. So you've got three selectors going on. Right. Or two, um, if you don't care about the lower boundary, or, or right. Um, uh, but they're hmm. sort of separate in a way that nested selectors aren't. Nested selectors don't have the concept of like first we're going to find a root, and then we're going to associate the thing to it. Um, but by default, uh, the root selector is not added to the specificity of the selectors inside. You can get that behavior by using the ampersand. Oh, ampersand is meaningful inside a scope, like yep. it is in nesting. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Cool. And it does the same thing. It pulls in the parent selector. Yeah. Huh. Um, so then that would apply its specificity as well. I liked your, what you said. It like it, Scope is what you mean. <laughs> right. Which is, I, I do like that. Like I think that's meaningful when authoring code is that you should use the technology that expresses what you're trying to do, not just a tool that just happens to work historically. Well, and that's not just a value judgment. Like you should, you should, this is what you should, it's a best practice. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it's what a declarative language is. We're using a declarative language. The purpose of a declarative language is that you say what you mean, and then the language figures out a good way to do it. So yeah. if we're gonna write a declarative language, we should try to say what we mean. I think I like it. I mean, it, it took twenty years, but yeah, I think it's <laughs> I think it's good to expand the uh, idioms we have for expressing what we mean. So I I think it's great. So well, I want to ask you about CSS functions as a teach, but uh, but before we get there, just to keep the at train rolling for a minute. I, I happened to be at a conference recently, and I was talking with Jessica Janiwick there, who had, really wanted to do a CSS proposal, and Leah was there too. And she's like, "I'll, you know, we can work together on wherever I could, or I at least give you a little ju juice for it." And her idea was exit animations, and the idea was that we have starting style, yet another at property in CSS, pretty neat one. That's like, let's say you're going to add a transition to a list item or something, you could give it a starting style of like opacity zero, and then the list naturally has opacity one, and it'll look like it fades in when it arrives on the page, which is extremely useful for like things arriving from that weren't in the DOM before and now are. That's great. What about things that are in the DOM that are about not to be? Like the exact reverse thing. So the proposal was, if we have starting style, can we have exiting style or something like that? This does not exist in CSS yet. This is a, it's a GitHub issue. I don't even know if you call it a proposal. Or is it a proposal? Yeah, as soon it's as a it's proposal. An issue? Yeah. Sure, proposal. Yeah. It's a great proposal. Do you, you pick, do you take a peek? Look at that. It's already great. Yeah. See, I Miriam mean, I says like it's it. good. Great. I, I guess there's, I guess implementers have some concerns about having control over things that you've removed from the DOM. I mean, they're mm -hmm. sort of like, you removed it. Why do you want to keep styling it? Or like, how dangerous is it to be able to keep manipulating things you've removed? So I don't know where that's going to end up, whether it's doable, whether browsers are going to go for it, but I love the idea. Mm. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big maybe. Yeah, I can see lots of concerns about that. I saw Adam brought up like the like, what if you're not like removing it, you're just moving it. Right. Like, is that, how do you even 
talk about that. I don't I have no idea. Or like, what if it's not, you don't call dot remove, but you call dot remove three parents up or something. Is that, how would it know? And I don't know. There's probably lots of what ifs, but I feel like it can't be as hard as container queries was, right? Like, so you mean we can wait 15 years and then maybe we'll get it? Yeah. I have 15 <laughs> minutes, unfortunately. That's all I have. Uh, anyway, that it could be cool. It, maybe it will end up as an at function, at, at rule. God, there's so many words to know. I feel like that's this is one of the ones where you could just like walk over to Microsoft and be like, hey, Outlook's cool, huh? Wouldn't it be cool if you had this? <laughs> <laughs> and then they would be like, yes, $1 billion. We're doing it. So that's it. It is often how these things get solved is some browser decides to try it. Yep. You just, just need need the gumption. It is surprising. Dave, you were, for a moment, were a part of the open UI group. I saw one just the other day of uh, some DOM attributes called invoke target and invoke action or something. You just put them on an HTML element. Yeah. And for example, you say in, on a button element, you could say invoke target and then uh, ident. Isn't that's what they call it? <laughs> a fancy way to say ID, I guess. Uh, and then, and then let, let's say you had an H1 tags just somewhere else in the DOM that had an ID that matched that. It's it's kind of like you're saying, I want to invoke an action on that thing specifically, not just a click that you just have to watch for the click and then do whatever you're going to do with the click. It's like you're saying, I want to do an action on that. And you can give it some kind of value to give it to. Like, I want to do an action and that action is foo. Mm -hmm. And then you can like, if the action was foo, then do something. You're like, oh, wow, that's cool. It's kind of a little bit like, I don't know, Alpine or view directives or something, but just in HTML. Yeah, uh, and think, you know, that's uh, it's just in Chrome. I mean, Chrome Canary. You know, they just okay, ship yeah. experiments, and then you can just use it. You know, and then they pull them out, which they have to do because otherwise, we have a bad internet. No, it seems like a weird. I, uh, I maybe even Firefox is going to do it too. Did I read that? I don't know, but uh, yeah, just like uh, like the I think the classic case would be like button invoke target my modal and then sh uh, invoke action is that the right one but uh, yeah, it would be so. like um it show modal which cuz modal has like five it has open close and show modal cuz oh it's how you could make one button and mess. one modal like just regardless of where they are in the dom kind of be one to one with each other that's pretty sweet actually yeah yeah don't use javascript you just go bloop and then you're just declarative you, just, you might say declarative mm -hmm. words so when speaking of css proposals when miriam rolls in with a proposal it's like nine thousand words because I, I saw here <laughs> so the new one is css functions i, I only saw it because I, I think you posted on oddbird or something like a pre a early like here's all my thinkings on CSS functions, what's up with that? Tell me. Yeah, I mean, it's very early. Uh, there's already been threads. I mean, as you would expect, people have talked about functions and mix-ins. I mean, more and more we're pulling things over from the preprocessors, and those are some of the, some of the remaining pieces. Uh, so there's been a lot of discussion. Um, I just went through all those discussions and tried to... Right, like SAS had functions, so maybe we should have... Yeah. A uh, and the difference between functions and mix-ins, I mean, they look sort of similar, but a function works at the value level. So inside of a property, you want to do some math or whatever and get the result yeah, back okay. inside a value. And mix-ins work at the sort of declaration rule set level. Like here's a whole chunk of CSS that I'm going to put Right. Um, so that's the main difference. Uh, and I just looked over both of those and tried to write up what I found and uh, propose a potential path forward. Um, and they can both take parameters, like arbitrary parameters, right? Yeah, that's the idea. You have some amount of logic wrapped up in a place um, and you can pass in parameters, arguments, um, mm -hmm. and then do something with those and return a value or a set of declarations. Nice. I always had one for like scroll bar styles because remember there's like there's the ones that work in Firefox like the standard ones and then there's all the WebKit ones which you have to use even if you don't want to because they're the only ones that work in WebKit browsers. So like that's a chunk of CSS mm -hmm. which so it becomes a mix-in and I'd name the mix-in like 
scroll bars or something. And it would take just some very, it would take maybe three parameters. Like what's the background of the scroll bar itself? What's the, what's this color of the, the thumb? I think you call mm-hmm. it. And then like, how wide is it or something? You would take three parameters and then you'd spit out all the CSS that's necessary for that. And you could call it wherever because you can set that on the root and then that affects the main scroll bar, but that doesn't affect scroll bars. Like if you want to do something different in some, sidebar or, you know, container where you're reading your email or who knows. On CodePen, you can imagine there's, we have scroll bars all over the place, hence the mix-in. But that's a pretty good use case, right? And that's a mix-in, not a function, because I need lots of, I need different right. selectors and stuff, whereas you were saying a function is just a value? Yeah, it's just a value. So, like, calc is a function that mm. just does the math for you and gives you back a value. Uh, and custom functions would be the same sort of idea. You use it inside of a property. So inside hmm. of uh, color or background color or whatever oh, you call it. You I see. call your color function and it does some calculations, whatever, <laughs> to give you some. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Like maybe we'll get like the new light dark function or one that, right. remember there's supposed to be some kind of a, Oh, I lost it. What is it? Like a color that picks the correct accessible color when you give it two sure. colors. I color can't. contrast. Yeah, yeah color which contrast. we just didn't. It seemed like we were going to get, but we didn't actually get it, I don't think. But you could write one if this proposal was out. Right. But do you have to write it in CSS or could you write it in JavaScript or something? Yeah, you would write it in CSS. I mean, the part of the idea is that it overlaps with the Houdini proposal for custom functions you would write in JavaScript. So you would write a basic one in CSS if you want. uh, And if you wanted to get more complex, you could move into JavaScript and do it there and do more complex things. Because the truth is you can probably do some pretty fancy crap just in CSS alone, right? Just every every other day I see something that's like, I saw bubble sort in CSS the other day and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? What is happening? (laughs) Right. And you can can think of things like uh, the sort of, calc and clamp tricks that people use to get responsive typography the way they want, you could wrap those up in a function and make them look a lot neater, right? So you don't have to write out the whole calc every time uh, the math is wrapped up in the function. Maybe from the creator of Suzy might have something to say about the usefulness of functions. You would think. uh, Yeah. We'll have to ask her. I mean, also, some of those things like color contrast, um, what's hard about the browser shipping it is they ship it once, they can't really change it down the road, and uh, color contrast rules get better over time. Um, That's not an issue if you're writing your own. You write your own, Mm -hmm. and then you change it when you want to change it. Wow, that was kind of the thinking behind Houdini, too, right? Right. R.I.P. I I mean, I don't know if it's actually dead, but it kind of seems like... Yeah, it's it's at least not... uh, a whole cohesive project. It's little bits of project that are coming through. Parts it's of it are not shipping. dead yet. It's mostly <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> to blaze. <laughs> you got like blood <laughs> dribbling out of your mouth. I'm not dead yet. Not dead yet. <laughs> He's mostly dead. <laughs> uh, but so yes, yeah, Mixon's pretty cool. I did think, you know, when, when, what was it? Because we, we 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 haven't talked about this, but we should. I guess we should wrap it up pretty soon. Is the uh, um, container style queries? We just we didn't mention that mm-hmm. during the show, but that's a thing you can you can say. And I think it's kind of limited at the moment to like if this selector ultimately has a CSS custom property applied to it, like foo foo equals bar, foo colon bar or something, then do something specifically. And I always thought, well, the most useful thing it could do is is just like say, if that's the case, then apply these five things. Yeah. Or instead of just one thing, you know, Uh, like, okay, card style one. Oh, that's the one that has lots of border radius. It's purple. It has a border on the top. It has a box shadow. But card style two is orange, and it has you know has a, and you can you can do that because you're just setting one thing. I thought that's nice, but that's a mixin, is it not? You know, it's it's sort of mixin like it comes with a lot of uh, restrictions. It's limited as a mixin because um, each you're basically using the custom properties as parameters, but you can only define them once. Uh, you don't get to use the mix in multiple times. 
um, in the same place. I mean, with some of those mix-ins, you don't need to. That's not going to matter. You also get the restriction where it has to be querying a parent to affect a child because that's a container query restriction. Mm-hmm. So again, you don't yeah, always yeah. want that restriction on a mix-in. So mix-ins still would improve on and it. you can't even do sub, you can't like nest more selectors too, right? It's just yeah. like it affects that one thing only. Yeah. I guess you could set mm-hmm. a custom do, property. <laughs> yeah. That is a, oh, that would be... That. Well, I mean, you can, inside of your container query, you could target lots of different selectors. So you could do some there. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh, that is really... If, if somebody was going to argue against the complexity of CSS, they would just point yeah. right to this and be like, that? <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, I feel like style container queries were really designed for the case of like, um, I've got I've got M's, uh, M, the M element. Uh, I want it to be usually italic. But if the parent's already italic, give it a background instead. Um, uh, but that, but that only ship. works, that didn't ship. Yeah. Because um, browsers huh. don't have good rules for querying normal properties. They don't all agree on how to serialize them or... Oh, really? Or what, what equality means in all those cases. So they weren't oh. willing to do that because you'd have to go through 700 properties and define equality for all of them. Oh that's my a lot of work. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. That's fascinating. So, because uh, I did, you know, I've only recently learned that there's like 10 different value types in CSS. Like, like there's, there's like what's in the style sheet. Then there's, you know, what happens after the style sheet is parsed. But then like, what if that value is like a little weird or something like the browser can normalize it or something. And then what actually gets applied to the page is different. I don't know. There's all these different, which one is it? Which one are you checking against? Um, is it just what I wrote or is it what actually got applied to the DOM or what? Right. Yeah. And in this case, for some of those use cases, you want different answers. Like sometimes you want to say, is what I wrote equal to this? And sometimes you want to say, which mode am I in? I mean, a color scheme, light, dark. I set it to light, dark. Which one is being used? Do you want to query the used value, not the specified mm, value? Used value. Yeah, that's a special one. Yeah. Yeah, that's tricky. So I, I guess I can see why that didn't ship. Wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. Still cool. The, even did, if all we ever got was the custom property one, it's still kind of cool. But at, at that point, you should almost rename it. <laughs> it's not really a style <laughs> query anymore. It's a custom property query. Yeah, yeah, it's a custom property query. Um, they're working on state queries now. Uh, state queries, what's that? Yeah, so the first ones that they're working on are... Uh, is this position sticky and currently stuck? And is it in a stuck yeah. state? Is this, uh, is this in a snapping context and currently snapped? Um, oh, wow. Is yeah. this overflowing and currently, uh, does it have overflow? So there's states that already exist yeah. with some, you know. Well, uh, ways to yeah. query them now. Yeah. Yeah, right. So stuck would be sweet. That's a good one. Yeah. Because even the little, there's like a little snippet that everybody Googles that's like, has a uh, intersection observer or something that figures it out for you. Yeah, uh, Chrome Canary has a prototype of it. You can go play with um, stuck. Oh, nice. Stuck what does it look like? Query at container. Is it just like colon colon stuck? Oh, no, it's a container deal. It's a, it's a container query, but uh, you use the state function. So you could say at container state parentheses stuck or i think you can say stuck top or stuck stuck top stuck bottom yeah but how does that work if it's apparent because they're like because you have to you can't style the thing that you're querying so the thing that you're querying isn't stuck it's the child that's stuck right so it's it's like like some of those cases where you need the extra wrapper on the card you'd have to use that trick in some of those cases Ooh, that's good though that's a that's a good one it's, it's just amazing you know because for a long time people were like css is really popping off lately amazing right and then it, instead of it slowing down again and being like "Ooh, that was a crazy Let's year the last decade, couple of years yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. now it's just, just it's staying just as fast yeah that's great amazing well, it's good to have you on the show to be able to talk about these things oh, because holy be cow, there's a lot of it. I'm glad you found a way to to get yourself involved and get paid. <laughs> <Cool>. Me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tis the season. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Miriam, so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's always good to see, I don't know, just get a recap of all the, the stuff I could be using and, and, uh, or will hopefully be able to use in the future here. So, um, very exciting time. So thank you for all your work and that you do and proposing. I know it's not, it's gotta be a brain bender. So I appreciate all that work, but, uh, yeah. 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 And we, uh, we sort of, don't get to get rid of nuance is the hard part of it. <laughs> no. Well, if you need somebody to ruthlessly eliminate nuance, I can do that. I can uh, Great. come and bowl in a China shop CSS and just start deleting things. That'd be my job. <laughs> I think that would be excellent. That would be, be a go service. Over really well. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, great. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you uh, for coming on the show for people who aren't following you and giving you money. How can they do that? Oh, uh, go to oddbird.net. Check out, check out our work there. And we're doing a lot of open source work and um, you can help sponsor it or you can hire us to build your website or, application or design system or whatever nice uh, we've got a great team there so check us out cool awesome well thank you so much and thank you dear listener for downloading this in your pocket that's it. Chris, you got anything else you like to say? I would. Please, when, when, when I want to animate to auto ships, please don't let it be too weird. It's looking real weird right now, and it just needs to normalize back down to what everybody wants, which is just, anim, just animate zero to auto. No weird syntax. Okay, bye.